Hello and welcome to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 102.5 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, producer Kenny taking care of us. It is a beautiful day in Smashville. It's and gorgeous. Even though the Preds did lose last night, they're in the playoffs again. And that's yeah, that's what that's what really matters, guys. They're in. That's all that matters. They're in. They're in, and anything can happen when you're in. And it doesn't matter how you get in because anything can happen anything can when happen. you're there. So we've seen it now. Granted, there's so many other things we need to talk <laughs> no. about regarding them it getting might in. Our it mind, might but. change, but but they are in the playoffs currently in wild card number one spot, which have them matching up against, of course, Calgary. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, I have you have to in honor of Terry Chris. Got to. That's say the Calgary. only way to say it. There's no other way to say. There's it. no other way to say it. But it was a Glenn. It was a spicy game last night it was a little bit of heat to it lots and lots of emotion a little bit of heat it was like eating a carolina reaper what that game was <laughs> Jeez, let's, let's let's look at the penalty minutes here <clears throat> the flames had a total of 30 the predators had 26 mm-hmm. <laughs> just a few fighting majors <laughs> a few just a couple and i mean a really ticked off matt duchene rightfully so mm-hmm because <sighs> Matthew Kachuk, I don't like him. Mm-mm. I don't. I Matt don't Shane like. Shane doesn't him. either. No, he didn't tell me that, but I just I put two and two together. How many times <laughs> in this day and age, and in, in the sport now, do we see line brawls happen? Not too often, and we saw at least two <laughs> last night. They mad. <laughs> Talk about message sending though by each team, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they know they they're obviously fully aware. Of where they're each at in the standings, of the matchup that could potentially be, they were definitely 100% message sending both sides. Mm-hmm. Whether it was trying to the Calgary Flames trying to get under the Predator's skin, or the Predators trying to show, like with Tanner Genoa, Mark Borowiecki saying, hey, we're not going to take that, don't push us around, quit being a little jerk, Matthew Kachuk. Mm-hmm. All that, you could just tell the message sending was there because it was a constant just trip to the box for both teams. And I'm more okay with that because it was even. And it wasn't like there was just the Predators, Predators, Predators yeah. rolling to the box, like what we've seen where they've gotten in some trouble lately. But this is more they're matching each other's energy. Well, when you imagine, like, you you want them to be giving us a preview for the first round, but then again, you don't because you don't right. want that many penalties. But you also you want that, that flair, that spice, that energy. Um, you want that. And it definitely had that feel. Like, nobody was going down without a fight, literally. Literally. Fight. And that's that's what was so interesting to me is that this would be an interesting matchup because one is the first time it ever happened between these two teams. So mm-hmm. right off the bat, something new and fresh. Mm-hmm. Lots of travel between these two teams as well. And I, I, it's a curious matchup to me, potentially, because I don't think Calgary gets talked about enough where they're in. But rightfully so, I don't think they get talked about enough because... I think it's a pretty good matchup for the Predators. Mm-hmm. Of all the first-round matchups I think the Predators could have had, obviously match up better than they do against Colorado. Yeah. It's a better matchup, I think, than what the Blues would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I really like where this is at in terms of at least getting past the first round. But they because are a threat. They can be a threat. 100% but, a threat. Yeah. Uh, but because Calgary's built, I think, similar to the Predators in terms of they have some big boys that are willing to lay out some hits. <laughs> Big boy. Big boy. In his Air Force Ones. <laughs> but, <laughs> I made Kenny laugh. I'm proud of myself. Uh, but, they, but they do match up well in terms of the physicality battle. And that's where I think I would almost lean a little bit more towards the Preds. But mm-hmm. now we look at what's in the crease. 
That was a big butt. <laughs> I think Moto Moto likes you. Yusasaros <laughs> uh, did not oh, finish boy. the game. Listen, as you all know, it's been talked about last night and today all throughout because so much hinges on the health of Yusasaros, who has been driven into the ground with how many games he played this season mm-hmm. and limped off, cannot put any weight. On his leg, and that one, that's not a good sign. <laughs> it's no. not like it was just a little bit of rattling. It was... It was, he, I need help getting yeah, out Yeah, and he's not going to finish the regular season. There's two games. Okay, fine. Especially since they clinched. Doubt he was going to play those two games anyways. Mm-hmm. Because he needs some rest. So, we're going to talk about this way more later. And we'll tease again, if you didn't see on social media, that Glenn and I do have a special announcement happening in our last segment. That'll be around 7.45. So, make sure you tune in for that. Uh, so, we'll talk way more about that. But the the big question here is, can David Riddick carry this team? Or is it Connor Ingram that comes up, who just recently got called up, obviously. Mm-hmm. My initial thought, if this is going in, now we could be premature because maybe it's one of those things where something got tweaked. He just needs a week off. Maybe. But obviously the way I see this as they need to split those two games to see what they have mm-hmm. between Riddick and Ingram. And then short leash on Riddick. But I'd almost rather see Connor Ingram in there because, as we've heard it said so many times before, Connor Ingram was supposed to be the backup. Mm -hmm. He had personal issues that he had to take care of last season. Quite understandable. We're so glad that he did that. And he's been good in Milwaukee. And they're in the playoffs, too. So he almost was in this situation. (laughs) We start looking at the what ifs. Mm -hmm. And he's earned his time to be able to be in the NHL. The thing, though, with David Riddick is, I think what the issue has been, he didn't get enough starts. He didn't get enough exactly. games. When when you start used to start with this many games, I think David Riddick should have had 20 starts this season. Yep. 20. I, yeah. I believe that's why so many people in Nashville and beyond are raising that question of him not getting as many opportunities as you'd like for a backup to have in the event that they become your starting goaltender. I mean, this is not news to anybody. I mean... Any team that lacks a solid goaltender in the playoffs, they are at a huge disadvantage. Oh, yeah. Um, and no goaltender has played more minutes than Yusasaros this season. So Riddick didn't get that opportunity, you know? And it's just, while Saros has been fantastic, he, he did get run into the ground. And even if this injury didn't happen, no matter how long it lasts, he still would have been run into the ground. He, need, he does need rest. He's needed rest for a while. And so uh, to your point, Justin, I mean, naturally you would think, oh, well, David Riddick, because he's he's been here and he's had a few starts, but he hasn't had enough. Mm-hmm. He hasn't even had enough to have that argument. Right. Yeah. So it, it's a that's a tricky, tricky spot to be in. But I like what you said, just seeing what you can get out of both of them in the last two games. Um, but naturally, I would just think David Riddick. But I, I don't I don't know. Yeah. And so this is the issue. David Riddick only started 11 games. Mm-hmm. There's 80 games that have been played. He started 11 of them. He's played yeah. 16. So how <sighs> many does that make Saros start? I mean, it That's just a makes lot. You, yeah, it's a lot. Especially when Saros has started on back-to-backs. Mm-hmm. I just I have major problems with that. When especially he, this is his first full season as a starter. Mm-hmm. Pecorine obviously did this before in his career too. And we saw it affect him. 
playing so many games. Yeah, it's cool to see most wins. Well, you know how you get to the most wins a lot of times? Yeah. You play the most games. And that was after a (laughs) decade-long career, you know, not your first season as a starter. I mean, you don't want to run your young goaltender. Granted, he's not overly young because Saros has been kind of waiting in the wings and everything. But But your first full season. first full season. You have so to tread a little bit That's where the criticism that. comes in. Yeah. Because I understand why things had to change. You had to pivot in the offseason because Ingram wasn't at the point where he's ready yet. Mm-hmm. So you go out and you sign David Riddick. Okay, that's fine. If you weren't confident enough to put Riddick out there for the games that he needed to be playing, mm-hmm. why did you sign During the him? regular season. <laughs> yeah. That's my thing. And criticism is 100% deserved because look at the situation you're in now. You can say, what if, what if, what if. It's almost to the point to where it was just biding time for Yusuf Saros to have some sort of injury this season with how many games he's playing. Goaltenders get a beating with how flexible they have to be, mm-hmm. and there's so many minor injuries that can happen with a goaltender that make it to where they cannot play. You see skaters and everything, too. There are a lot of injuries that a skater can have mm-hmm. that they can probably play through. And we'll talk to Sam Fleming in the next segment, too, and I just want to get his opinion on that because he plays a much higher level of hockey than me. And <laughs> Than me just in rookie and D-League. He's played a higher level. He's played competitively for a lot longer in his life than me. But that's what I truly think. Like, goaltenders, there's so many little tweaks that can happen. Where, nope, he can't play yeah. and be healthy. And like, are, you could make it worse. And they are ultimately what will win or lose you a game in the playoffs. Right. And so we'll spend way more time discussing that. But there, there is 100% legitimate cause for concern there, too. And it's not because we're not confident in a team or want to be negative. It's... This is the worst possible moment for a goaltender to get injured right now, especially when you see what it looks like happened with not being able to put any pressure out there or anything like that. Can wonderful stories happen? 100%. Can you yeah. imagine the story of Connor? They ride Connor Ingram to the Stanley can, Cup can final? Can you imagine? But it's also very <laughs> rare and nearly impossible that you're going to find somebody that wins the Stanley Cup that had a shaky goaltender throughout the entire right. Stanley Cup series. They it steal just, games. It just, yeah, yeah. They steal games. It's just rare that that happens. It has to happen where a goaltender steals games because – Especially without having mega teams, with mm-hmm. like in the NBA, we can have a mega team before, unless you are just outscoring your opponent seven six, seven five, six four. Yeah, <laughs> you have to have a good goaltender, at least above average. We've seen teams win with just above average goaltending, Corey Crawford. We've mm-hmm. seen teams win with that, but more often than not, you have to have stellar goaltending in the playoffs. Yep. It's just the way it works. All right. Sam Plum is going to join us next. He was in Tampa for that, that, that Preds game. But more than anything, I want to bring him on just because he's been a part of Penalty Box Radio and that experience, too, because Tampa Bay, non-traditional market, they've won multiple cups. How has that changed their fan base? What's that like there? To see some similarities, too, between how the fan base is growing now to where it's just Tampa. Well, it's title town right now. <laughs> how that, the area just keeps winning, winning pennants, whether it's in the MLB or Super Bowl or, or Stanley Cups. The city knows what it's like to win and how maybe in the future Nashville could be that. So we're talking to Sam Fleming of Penalty Box Radio. This is Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game. Here we go. Welcome back to Penalty Box Radio, ESPN 102.5 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, producer Kenny taking care of us. And as we're coming back, I'm seeing NHL Network talking about the Predators goaltender situation right now. 
can't Ew. see the words, but Kevin Weeks has the very uh, serious analytical hands going. <laughs> you know that's not good. You know that's not he's good. He's got his thinking cap on. He's got his hands. <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. Oh, he's even stacking his papers. That's yeah. not good. Oh, boy. When they do the... <laughs> oh, we just got to delay some time, find the right words. Oh, boy. Here we go. All right. Joining us now, Sam Fleming. He has been... a. A hockey player, <laughs> number one, he's played junior hockey, he's played high school hockey, uh, been a coach with the Franklin High School hockey team down in Williamson County, uh, also a big-time golfer, I know that too, and also a writer and a podcast host for Penalty Box Radio. Sam, welcome to the show. Good to be back. Good to be back after here, Disney, especially. Yeah. And hearing Justin say all that, what do you not do, Sam? No. <laughs> You know, I, I can't play soccer quite as well, but I am pumped for the Nashville SC home opener this weekend. So, um, oh yeah, love watching that, but not quite as good at that. <laughs> I'll be in section two hundred six, right above the supporters section. I'm very pumped. If you see me there, come say hi, y'all, because I am in. He's in. in. Oh, I'm I just in. saw a sparkle Everyone in your eye. I'm oh, I'm in. pumped. <laughs> I'm pumped. That stadium is beautiful. Oh, yeah. Just need to be able to park. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, Sam, first of all, what I mentioned in the first segment, too, in terms of injuries, there's a lot of injuries a skater could probably have thinking about this, whether it could be something with not risk necessarily, but a lot of things that can happen. Detail for me if you've suffered any injuries that you've played through that maybe a goaltender might not be able to. You know, I, I've luckily stayed pretty healthy. Um, I've had knock on wood. I mean, my wrist was bothering me a little bit lately. But when you play as a skater, hockey's one of those sports that you're like, I just want to get that out there and play. And I think someone tweeted it because going back to the sorrow situation, UC's like a lot like Pekka. He wants to play every game, and he's going to want to be between the crease every night. And I was actually at the game last night sitting behind the net that UC was in, and I didn't even realize what had happened. I thought he was going off because he had a skate issue. And then he's going down the tunnel, and I see Riddick come in, and I'm like, oh, this is more serious than we thought. But, you know, as a player, there's a lot of injuries that you can play through, maybe more in the upper body. The lower body can be tougher because, Mm -hmm. you know, that's where a lot of the movement comes from. I have been very fortunate. You know, I have had a few licks to the head, but you take a game off or so, depending on how serious it is. But goaltenders, I respect the heck out of them because they have probably the most physical demanding position mm-hmm. on the ice. And the fact UC's played as many games as he has without much rest, it's amazing that, I hate saying it this way, that something hasn't happened sooner at this point. Mm. Right. And yeah. you you see it a lot, too, just because of your coaching uh, with, with young adults at the high school level, too, with goaltenders and seeing goaltenders come and go um, of all different ages. Um, you've had uh, men and women playing for, for the high school team as well, too. What's that regiment been like for goaltenders as well, too, to, to keep them, well, one, fresh, understand the training? I'm sure there's a lot that goes on there, making sure they understand the amount of pressure that's on them as a goaltender on their bodies, too. Yeah, and, and you look at it with high school versus if you step up to junior hockey, like where the junior preds are, college hockey, or, you know, the lower professional leagues. You know, high school hockey, luckily, you have a little bit more space in there between games to where, you know, younger, they can get a little bit more rest, they can recover. NHL, you've got back-to-backs, you've got road stands that can last five or six games. You know, it, it's just... 
luckily at a younger at a younger age at high school in the junior level you can rest up a little bit more now that being said when you play travel hockey you can find yourself playing two games in one day maybe three i've had i've had times like that too where you don't even take your gear off because you have two hours between Ugh. a game yes exactly <laughs> I, I had that a lot but you know, it's it's all about just making sure you're in shape, you're you're eating right, you're rehydrating, you're stretching properly because, you know, stretching is a huge part, I think, for getting anybody loose, getting ready to go to play because if you don't do proper stretch or proper warm-up, you're not going to be ready to play the game, but you're also doing your body a disservice. And that's the thing I learned playing in the junior preds when you played these travel tournaments in Chicago or Detroit where it was a little bit colder your body is going to stiffen up a lot quicker, especially because those rinks are pretty frigid inside when the outside's even colder. So uh, it's all about proper, you know, routine, and that's what we preach to our to our kids that we coach: is you got to stay stretched, you got to stay loose, eat right, get ready before the game, be hydrated because you're going to do your body a lot better service in the long run and minimize that chance for injury. And speaking of traveling and games, like Justin mentioned in the first segment, you recently went to that game in Tampa (laughs) and while I haven't been down there that is one of those arenas that I plan to get to and experience a game at some point because I've always noticed a I've always felt some strange kinship with the Tampa Bay fans because I feel like there is just some similarity when they come to Nashville I've seen them obviously at Bridgestone plenty of times and the stadium series recently Um, so what was that fan-like experience for you observing them but also being a visitor in that arena I have to say Without a doubt, Amelie Arena is probably my favorite arena outside of Bridgestone. And for those of you who know me or you see my Twitter, I do follow the Tampa Bay Lightning and have followed them as I was growing up. And I've actually been to that arena three times, counting that last game. I went when it was the St. Pete Times Forum back in 2006. Their first ever cup win was 0304, so the year after the lockout. And they were playing the Washington Capitals. And if those of you who know what 05, 06 was, we talk about, you know, the McDavid Eichel year, the Matthews Line year. That was the Crosby Ovechkin rookie year. They were playing the Capitals. So it was Alex Ovechkin's rookie year. Um, And then they had, I went to another game where I kind of got to see the whole arena behind the scenes. They played the Ottawa Senators. It was fresh after they traded for McDonough and JT Miller. And Kucherov was on a career year. And, those are some of my favorite players to watch. And this was an A-plus experience going back down there because obviously I'd seen the stadium series this year and set attack twice for the Preds, and they had the stadium series jerseys on. But you talk about that fan interaction. Their fans were great, minus a couple. You're going to find that there. But one of their fans came up to me and talked about how much they enjoyed the stadium series and really appreciated Nashville fans making them feel like it was at home and we started talking I started listing off some of the older players and I just saw his jaw drop because (laughs) some of these lightning (laughs) fans don't know who some of these older guys are and you know but they were super nice all the ones around us a cool story maybe some saw there was a kid who was diagnosed with cystic fibrosis that his favorite player was Pat Maroon it was his birthday and Pat Maroon's birthday and Maroon had him come to the game before the game And got him a jersey and everything and had him watch practice. They were sitting right in front of us. And Thunderbug brought him some cool stuff. And Maroon actually ended up scoring. So it it was cool to see. 
I was so thankful to see my first ever road game mm-hmm. in an arena be in Tampa Bay and highly recommend anyone listening that that should be a bucket list arena to go to. So, again, Sam Fleming, Penalty Box Radio, uh, assistant coach with Franklin and Hume Fog BGA. Is it still that co-op? It, it still is that co-op. Okay, right just making now. sure because I know it changes sometimes. And also former junior predator. A lot, a lot of things going on. And, and who's your beer league team? you got to give them a shout-out. Yeah, so Nick Keezer, who ha- <laughs> happens to be one of the producers over here, the Music City <laughs> Militia. I know he's listening. Um, yeah, so we play over at Bellevue. Um Good team, good group of guys, a lot of guys I played high school with, travel with, and some that I've made new friends now. So uh, the Music City Militia. Cool jerseys, too. Rebirth. I like, I like the name. Absolutely. I like that name. All right, so you got to see the Tesla coil at six times, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's that like, seeing that go? It, it's pretty cool, and I have to say when they score a goal, that arena gets loud. I mean, they are into their hockey down there, and – I've just got, I mean, I tell people, I've just got to say, when you watch the Tampa Bay Lightning, just be thankful. It doesn't matter what the score is and if it's against your team, because they are still the team to beat in hockey right now, in my eyes. You can talk about the Florida Panthers, you can talk about the Colorado Avalanche, but when they're still as good as they are and they had to dump some guys because of the salary cap and mm-hmm. they're still winning games that big, I think they beat. Toronto eight to one that Thursday, us six to two, and then they go beat Florida eight to four on a back to back. They're going to be a tough team, but those Tesla coils, you hear it, but that arena is just <laughs> a loud environment, and it's it's one of a, a beautiful scene to see. I just walked in there and just was blown away sitting lower bowl and seeing that, and I even tweeted a picture and just captioned it unreal because that's what it is. <laughs> so, and and obviously similarities in terms of market. Uh, and everything too, and how they started. Now, granted, they had a pretty early cup run <laughs> in the early 2000s, which I'm sure helped a lot too. But then had some down years on everything as well. Just in terms of similarities and seeing what that has done. Just your opinion too, especially if one back to back. How new did some of the fans feel there? Not saying bandwagon or anything like that, but just winning attracts new fans. Look at the Predators in the Stanley Cup run; it attracted a whole new t- part of the fan base here too. What's what's your take on that? And what you see and how that can also continue to help Nashville and how you grow off of that, too. Because I'm sure it's growing hockey so much in the Tampa area, too. Yeah, when you're going to a hockey game when it's 86 degrees Fahrenheit outside, that's something else to say. But, you know, when when I went there in 17-18, you had – it was growing. They still hadn't had that cup run just yet, but they were getting better and better. They were starting to be that team everybody talked about that could be in a run for the Stanley Cup Finals. And – you know, it was growing then, but now that they've won Champa Bay, the whole thing with them, the Rays, <laughs> um, the Buccaneers, it, it's growing down there. Sports is becoming a big part of the Tampa area. And when you go to Thunder Alley and you see all of the fans lined up there hour and a half before the game and they have all these different things set up on that on that patio out in front and the intro they even do where they count it down playing thunderstruck to opening the doors you just see they're they're getting people into this and people knowing the bartenders that work at the little concession stands i mean it's become a big deal and part of the culture down there and i think nashville when they went on that run you know back in 15 16 16 17 People started to get that way, and we're still getting there. And I think Nashville, if they have another run similar to that, 
it's only going to go back up again, and it's still at, at a peak height. But Tampa has definitely really taken hockey and made that a hockey town. And, you know, I I would highly, like I said, recommend if you ever get the chance to go to a Lightning game, whether the Preds are down there or they're not, do it because it's an experience you won't forget. And the fans really immerse you into that arena. It's It's really cool. Very cool. I definitely hope to get down there for a game sometime in the very near future. Uh, I love traveling to away arenas just to see, especially just to cover the Preds and everything as well. But, all right, up next, we're going to go ahead and get to our Q&A because in our last segment of the show, we have a special announcement to make, Glenn and I both. So make sure you're tuning in. Up next, Q&A from Twitter. There's a plenty of them. <laughs> Penalty Box Radio, ESPN, 125 The Game. And welcome back to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 102.5 Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, producer Kenny taking care of us. And now let's get to our Q&A time. Uh, Let's kick it off with this one about Roman Yossi from Justin Gambino. Norris Race, does Yossi still have the edge potentially in that? Yes. Absolutely. I think NHL put out uh, the the writer's poll, and Yossi's finally <laughs> leading that and leading it by a decent margin over Kale McCarr. But here's the thing. I tweeted this out last night just to make sure everybody understands the epicness of Roman Yossi's season. He is currently at 93 points. That is tied for 22nd overall in most points by a defenseman in a single season. He's tied with Paul Coffey. So there are 21 player records above Roman Yossi right now. Out of those 21 player records, there are only seven players that carry those records. All of them, especially because he now surpassed Gary Suter, all of the players above Roman Yossi, all seven of those players that have those 21 other records are Hall of Famers. That's how epic of a season yeah. Roman Yossi is having. Now, in two games, I highly doubt he's going to get seven points. Mm-hmm. But you start looking at where he could creep up into is that Paul Coffey is at 93, tied with Yossi. At 94, tied for 20th and 21st overall are Denny Potvin and Ray Bork. At 95, also Ray Bork. At 96, Paul Coffey and <gasps> Ray Bork. Mm-hmm. So... This dude could have three points in two games and creep his way in the top 20 all time. Elite. That's elite. elite. It is. And two Norse trophies should be Hall of Fame worthy. 100%. One would hope, yeah. 100% should be Hall of Fame worthy. The career that Roman Yossi is having this year, the career that so many Preds players are having this year, is astonishing to me that they're squeaking in to the playoffs. Yeah. And what this reminds me of are years past with the Edmonton Oilers. Mm-hmm. Look at the production that Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl would have, but they'd miss the playoffs. And just hoping to maybe get in. Right. Yeah. And now yeah. you have Matt Duchesne. I know I'm, I'm going off on a tangent here, but it's just, I got, well, no, I got it's to true, say it. Because we even brought it up a, a couple weeks ago. It was more like, it's kind of a, a question that yeah. you have to ask the team of like, how can you have so many players having their best year yet? Right. And yet you're here wondering if you're going to be able to land a wild card spot. Right. You know? So Matt Duchesne and Philip Forsberg are tied for eighth overall in goals in the league at 42. Eighth overall. Duchesne and Forsberg. And then you have Roman Yossi leading defenseman in points, yet they're in the seventh spot. Mm-hmm. And 
it's shocking to me <laughs> because well, it's very very interesting because you have to ask why because it's not like it's it would be a totally different conversation if it was right. one player Roman Yosi and have Roman Yossi having his best year yet right but when it's multiple players it, yeah. you have to wonder well how is that how are they not just automatically landing themselves into a top spot in the playoffs right uh, <laughs> kind of so confusing it comes from mark now and this is kind of, we already kind of answered this but just to reinforce uh the obvious a playoff run ready ingram or a shaky veteran riddick to me it's a no-brainer but you probably have to give one game each to close of the season i agree mm-hmm. give one game each evaluate a little bit there too i think what will happen what will happen not what i would do but what would happen is i think riddick will start mm-hmm. extremely short leash if they see any wavering yeah because you you have to win a game in calgary you have to. If that's oh, yeah. no matter what, for the Preds to move on early because of the situation they're in, they have to win a road game, mm-hmm. one or two. Doesn't matter. Win in game one or game two. You come back tied. You go down two zero. It is going to be extremely difficult for this team to come back. Yep. Not saying it's impossible. Don't want anybody to come but at me and say, wanna, "Eat crow, Bradford." You don't want to put yourself in a difficult spot at the very beginning of the first round. Exactly. You don't want to do that. Exactly. Okay. Let's go to this one's from Sam Fleming, who is uh, sitting right <laughs> next to us uh, in the middle. Sam Fleming sandwich. Uh, we we have here <laughs> player who needs to step up the most in the playoffs for the Preds. Sam, I want to bring you back on. Who do you think needs to step up the most in the playoffs? So the the reason I asked this question is I remember when we did our bubble episode a couple years ago. Yep. It, someone asked it and it was talking about oh matt duchene ryan johansson you know kyle turris at the time gosh what a name to remember right right? but you look at it now that aforementioned matt duchene having a career year 42 goals ryan johansson one of the best seasons he's had in a preds jersey period i think that's without a doubt now it's more going to the depth guys And, and i think the obvious names that come to mind is the whole herd line. Tanner Janot, he's been kind of MIA lately. Yakov Trenin, Colton Sissons, you hear those names go around. I'm going to tell you a name that I think I even advocated for last year when the Preds first got him and said he was a top six forward. Where's Luke Cunning been? You stole it from me. <laughs> I mean, I knew, I read your mind on that one, but Luke, Luke Cunning has he started off really well. Now he's a gritty player, but he can score goals. We've seen that in the past, but he's kind of just I don't know. He's, he's not playing as free as he used to. And oh, by the way, yes, I understand this is a Philip Forsberg contract year, mm-hmm. but this is also a Luke Cunning contract year. Only had a two-year deal when he signed last year with Nashville. So he's kind of in that boat that he really needs to step up. And the depth, all of it does. But if there's one guy, it's Luke Cunning for me right now. 100% agree. He's played 80 games this season. He's played. He's, he might be the Iron Man this season for the Preds. Only 22 points, 13 goals, 9 assists. Previously in his career, uh, in, let's see, Minnesota in 1920, had 63 games played, 31 points. So you see potential there because he's still young. That was his second full season. 1920-21, obviously weird year, but 38 games and 19 points. Extremely underperforming. My expectation for Luke Cunning was a 20-goal season for him to be the next Craig Smith-style player for this team to where you can play him on the second line or the third line and he can still produce. Extremely disappointing season from Luke Cunning. Given the potential he has, given his draft position, given mm-hmm. what the expectations were from him, and for a contract year, highly underperforming. 99 penalty minutes as well. I mean, that's close to double what he's had previously for his high, which was two seasons ago. Yeah. I mean, if, if there's a time to break out, it's this time. Playoffs. Um, so, yeah. I would totally agree with that. I mean, you, and maybe he could be that player 
maybe he could be that player that could, in a contract year, get pushed. You land a wild card spot in the playoffs, and all of a sudden he flips the switch. So we'll see. We'll see. I think the question is, is who is the Freddie Goudreau of this team? this year that underdog story or Pontus Auberg like they had mm, in the Stanley yeah. Cup final run mm. who can be that guy look at my boy getting I know <laughs> but this could this could be him could it be yeah. Cody could be Glass <laughs> no <laughs> no okay if you want to put throw out that question then my pick for that Matthew Olivier could there be that go. guy because he just got called back up, finally, yeah. been a long time. He's that guy that could play in the third or fourth line as well, too, and he plays a gritty style that he could chip in a timely goal. You're not mm-hmm. going to expect consistency, but a but timely time goal, yeah. yeah, because yeah. of a matchup or something like that, an off matchup. That's because that's what Freddie Goudreau took advantage of. They were matching up against the top six, which you throw Goudreau out there that had speed. Mm-hmm. Matthew Levy's not slow, but he's also a big dude and creates space for himself. He could pop in a goal or two. You never know. All right, uh, next one here. Let's go to Susan asks, what adult beverage do you favor to get through nail-biting games of the playoffs? Tequila. <laughs> a Paloma. <laughs> Fresh grapefruit, tequila, wow. sea salt on the rim, and a little bit of club soda. Gloom was ready. I'm ready. That's always the drink of choice. <laughs> For me, I like a whiskey and ginger ale. Okay. That's what I like. Because it kind of takes off a little bit of the burn, but you still taste your whiskey. Mm-hmm. And the ginger ale is not too you strong. Squeeze anything in it? No, no, just, just a whiskey ginger ale. Yeah, fifteen fifty. Sam? I like it. Got to be, got to be a Bud Light or maybe some Pink Whitney or something like that along the way. <laughs> Samuel <laughs> Fleming. <laughs> what? Hey, it's the simple. The I simple love the thing. jump. <laughs> it's it's got to be a Bud Light. <laughs> Bud Light or Pink or Whitney. a Pink Whitney. <laughs> I did not. I did not expect that. I probably would have expected a truly more than that. That's in there too. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness! That was the third choice. Oh my gosh! Okay, this one comes from George. Unless he becomes a playoff hero, I have a hard time seeing Riddick extended in Nashville beyond the season. What do you think is the most likely backup scenario this season? Uh, Ingram with Askarov in Milwaukee, another UFA, so Askarov can back up Ingram Milwaukee, or if so, what other? I I think we kind of touched on this a little bit. Next season. Ingram as the backup, and dear God, he better get at least 15 games. He better get some yeah, <laughs> actual playing time yeah. to see what kind like of goaltender he is. I'd like to see 20 25 and give Sorrow some rest. I mean, if you have a decent backup, we'll play them. But that's the point. <laughs> that's you the want point. them to You want them to have games. Yeah. I mean, you Riddick, don't want them to unless there's the long term injury, you think Riddick's done. I think there's other free agent goaltenders out there that could potentially be a backup or mm-hmm. other goaltenders out there that you could pay even less if you're only going to have them play 10 games. Yeah. Uh, but I don't think that's the case. I think Askarov is set, and so this answers a question as well uh, from, I believe it's Kyle, could come over and sign his ELC. He wouldn't be eligible for the playoffs in Milwaukee, but he could get a game or two maybe in. Uh, so I think that's the situation there is you want Askarov to come over and start getting starts over there too, and you, you let him roll. You, you let them roll, and that's what you have to do to get some young talent. Um, so the last question before we have to go to break, this one comes from Grant dealing with developing talent. Why does there seem to be a pattern of young, talented offensive players washing out of the Nashville system? Fiala trade off and thrives. Tolvin struggles a season, and there's always trade talk. Glass looked good, but doesn't seem destined to be in the lineup. Okay, here's the thing with with Glass. I like him in the lineup. I think he's done a lot of good things. I think he deserves to be playing out there. Over, and I'll say this again, even though he burned me last time. Over, Michael McCarron. Like, <laughs> 
Cody Glass and what he's done to he positionally has been sound. He's been involved in plays. He's going to the right places. And this is where I just disagree with the, the, the decisions made. And yeah, I'm, I'm not a professional coach. I'm not a professional general manager. But I really want to see Cody Glass out there because he has earned it with his play in Milwaukee. He's earned it with his play. He looks like he belongs in the NHL. So there's that. That's on the organization and what they decide to do with him. Fiala did not fit. There are other issues going on there, too. Head case. I don't think he got along in the locker room. We could see that just from some of the things. I think he just was at a place in his life where Nashville's it just wasn't going to work no matter where he was, I don't yeah. think, at that point in his no. life. But now it is, yep. and that's fine. That and, just happens sometimes. And here's the thing, too, and this is not an excuse, but Forsberg is part of Nashville's system. I mean, he wasn't in Washington's system that long. Mm-hmm. It was a product of Nashville's system. The issue comes into play when they just cannot draft high. And it's a crapshoot in the draft with what you're able to develop. Yeah, they've been able to develop goaltenders and defensemen. It just seems that way. And I think it's just because of a lot of times draft position comes into play with what offensive talent you're going to get. Have there been mistakes made? Yes, 100%. You never know what's going to happen and and things like that. But I don't put all of it on just failing at developing only offensive talent. I think it's because they haven't been able to draft a lot of decent ones either, but sometimes because of the priority that they make on things as well, too. So I think there's blame to go around in developing offensive talent. Okay, we got to go to break. Up next, big announcement. Stay tuned. Penalty to Box Radio, ESPN, 1025 The Game. Welcome back to Penalty Box here to ESPN 1025 The Game. Justin Bradford, Glenn Blackwell, producer Kenny. Thank you, Kenny. Appreciate you, bud. You know you it. Our family. Yes. For sure. Absolutely. All, All right, folks. Uh, <laughs> it's been 10 years that we've been at this uh, on 1025 The Game, and it's been a decade. And. To dedicate a decade to anything that, whether it's a hobby or it's something you're passionate about, to a job, even to a person, <laughs> it's a long time. And we've accomplished so much here, just personally and professionally, and what we feel like we've been able to do here to think back to, to 2012 with, with Big Ben and, and then adding Glenn in and then adding people like Brittany and Michael and so many other folks along the way to to where we start off on blog talk radio uh, <laughs> doing live shows uh, late at night on our phones with my phone rested on my shoulder with a computer in my lap talking with Ben and doing a radio show 
where we had Kevin Weeks join us and say, <laughs> hey, can you can you do this? And booking it through his website on Blog Talk Radio and interviewing Kevin Weeks on there to getting support from Andy Maloney mm-hmm. to help us get a better time slot on Blog Talk Radio to talking with 1025 The Game and Jeremy Benefield, who was a program director at the time, and giving us opportunity to come in and record live on Blog Talk Radio at 9 o'clock at night and then be re-aired at midnight on 1025. We'd stay up late and at midnight, like, oh, we're on the air. This is great. Now to bed. Because <laughs> it was midnight, but it was great to give third shift people some some actual local programming to listen to. And growing from there and, and being on the air during a lockout. Mm-hmm. And that's how we got our start was you have to talk about hockey when professional hockey's not being played for three months. <laughs> and how that right off the bat, right off the bat, created our mission statement, Glenn of what we were going to do and how we were going to be different and what was important to us, mm-hmm. which was we're going to grow the sport, we're going to make people better fans of the sport, make people appreciate the sport overall because it's not just going to be other predators. It's going to be about junior hockey, minor league hockey, mm-hmm. women's hockey, uh, high school hockey, everything possible, sled hockey, anything dealing with hockey, you name it, we want to be a part of it because we thought that people deserve to have the support from fans and people needed to know how much this sport meant to us. And it's been 10 years. And I can't thank the people at 1025 The Game enough, whether it's Shooter, Jeremy Benefield, to Ryan Porth and what he did for us, and then now Chase McCabe and his support. Chase McCabe, the program director here, our first producer <laughs> yep. as well. And now we've had so many great producers come through. I know Max has produced us. Kenny's been with us. Uh, Jared Cassidy and so many more. And we've had our run. And at the end of this season, whenever the Preds are done with the playoffs, whether that's a first round or the Stanley Cup final, we're going to be done. And I'm going to retire from live radio and and from the Preds press box. And not going anywhere in terms of disappearing on y'all. Penalty to Box Radio still exists as a website. We have so many people that love to contribute there, whether it's Sam having a podcast or mm-hmm. or Boyd with his writing, Abigail doing stuff as well and, and continuing to, to build her up. But we are in such a good place because of you all, because of the support, and because of the fantastic people we brought along the way that are in great spots in their careers, whether it's Cutler Klein that started off writing for us Gosh. and now works for Nashville SC <laughs> yeah. in social media, or Michael Gallagher, who wrote with us as well, is in sports with the Nashville Post. Or Stephen Ellis, who wrote Prospect Reports and now is, is big time in terms of writing <laughs> in Canada and what he's been able to do. And Abigail Martin, who's getting ready to graduate and is definitely going to have a job. Cameron Martz, who has accepted a director of marketing position yep. with the minor league baseball team in Jackson. Uh, Sam, who's continued to do so much great work, too. Peyton and what he's done. Jonah, who's getting up, who's an upperclassman at Arkansas. Danielle doing so much great work, too. So many people have done great work. Uh, Jack Woods, and he done play-by-play, and he's off to a comedy career uh, <laughs> where he's studying. We're in a good place because all the people that we've mentored are in good places. We're not abandoning anybody. And we feel it's time because... My new job, and this is not a slight on anything, I get to get my fulfillment in sports through a nonprofit. And I'm going to be at Predators games. I'm going to be at Titans games. I'm going to be at SC games. I'm going to be at all these places and be around and have different projects to work on with Jeremy K. Gover and Jim Chandler mm-hmm. as well, names that I know you all recognize, and yep. kind of pivoting and doing some things that I'm passionate about. But wanting to 
We've accomplished so much, Glenn. <laughs> we have, and I promise by our last episode, I will <laughs> I'll be more composed um, because I sat here the whole time and I cried <laughs> because when this started, like if for anybody that's been here for the decade, I used to just come on as a guest just to give a girl's perspective. Um, I don't know if I can get through this, but Justin and Ben believed in me enough to give me my own segment, which was the dish. So I, I come on, <laughs> I come on every episode. I would give my dish, but then they quickly realized that I had a lot more to say, um, and so they gave, they made that space for me. Um, and it's just been, like you said, Justin, it's been, it's been a beautiful run to look back on everything that we've done um it's it's huge we've impacted lives shifted lives and shifted our own lives and there always just comes a time when you know i mean you can you can do something you can commit to something for 10 years doesn't mean that you will be doing it for the next 50 there's every season comes to an end in one way or the other and it's Honestly, I'm very grateful that we both came to this place in our life at the same time. Together. Because um, for those who, I don't even know if I've officially announced it on Instagram, but I am um, licensed in real estate now. And that is incredible that I've switched careers um, after losing my job in the event industry in 2020. I had to reevaluate a lot of things. And um, that job is very, very demanding of my time. And it's already this season a few times. At the drop of a hat at 6.30 p.m., I could need to be in contract negotiations or whatever the case may be. And it's not fair for me to just possibly just leave you high and dry, you know. But we we both came to this place at the same time, which I think is just very indicative of it is the right time, you know. Um, and like you said, it's not abandoning anything. It's not abandoning the love for the sport. Um, and... It's not that we won't get together and randomly throw a podcast episode Absolutely. together, just something. But it is time to step away from the every single week, um, the live aspect of the radio show, you in media. Um, you know, everything eventually comes to an end. And I think the most important thing is that we can look back and be so proud. 100%. And. I'm so proud of so many people that have come through and proud of our listeners for all the support they've given us, whether it's through giving us Twitter questions and topics or interacting with us. And that's just been huge. Having fun with us and asking us questions that make us think and have fun, too. It's not always serious hockey talk. It's It's about connecting with people in the the community. That's what we've always appreciated about the city, the hockey community, is it's about people connecting. Like, And we all love the same thing. But it's not always just about hockey. Like, you can have fun with it, but we're all going after the same thing. We want more hockey here. We want to enjoy mm-hmm. Nashville Predator success. So we're all here for the same reason. And so I think it's just been incredible, the people that we've met along the way. Um, just being a part of that community is something that I will literally, for the rest of my life, I'm going to value that so much. And this was such a huge part of that. You know? Absolutely. And we're not, good, we're not done yet. We're not <laughs> finishing the season off. We want to make this announcement so you know uh, what the future plans are. So it could be, you know, two weeks from now, three weeks from now, or it could be two months yeah, uh, from one now can as hope. well. <laughs> one can hope. 
Uh, so we appreciate you sticking with us. Um, big thanks to Sam for coming in uh, tonight as well, just to share his experience too. Again, we, we'll have a few more shows left. We'll make sure you know. We'll have special guests lined up as well uh, as, as we close out this chapter of our lives. And we just cannot thank you all enough for your support. Uh, yeah, so we will talk to you soon. We'll talk to you next week. As soon as the playoff schedule comes out, we'll adjust. If there's a, if there's a game on a Wednesday night, we'll be with you on a Tuesday or a Thursday. I promise you that. Big thanks to, to Kenny Adams for taking care of us, as always, and for finding so much fun music uh, whenever he's with us. And thinking thanks to Sam. And for Glenn Blackwood, this is Justin Bradford. Thank you so much for listening to Penalty Box Radio here on ESPN 1025 The Game.